Hey there, friend. Welcome to the podcast. I am betting that there is something that you need to move very quickly on. Life is coming at us fast. It seems like it's getting faster. Have to be living under a rock not to feel that. And the enemy is operating at warp speed. So we need to meet all of that with the speed of God. That's what we're talking about. This is the second in a series on 52 Days to Accelerate. You can see the show notes page and links and take things further at jesussmart.com slash 251. I am resolute. I believe that Jesus Christ knows how our lives work best. He's passionate about developing his followers as co-agents in his kingdom, as intimate friends. He's our redeemer. Yes, our savior. He's also Lord and he's infinitely brilliant. He'll bring it right down to the practice of our life, right down to the earth. He knows how everything works best. At the end of the episode today, I'm going to pray over you for 60 seconds on today's theme. Stay with me for that. We're drawing from Nehemiah. Yes, I know the account of the returning exiles in Nehemiah was a historical event in the history of Judah being restored to its land and rebuilding the city of Jerusalem, rebuilding the temple. There are also patterns and precedents there and even what I would call protocols that we can apply to our lives today as New Covenant believers in Christ. I could take you to the New Testament and show you at least two references in Scripture which allude to this, that these things were written down and these things were experienced by the Old Covenant believers for us today upon whom the ends of the ages have come. And we can look at it on this side of the cross, this side of the resurrection, accession, ascension, and the session of Christ, the seating of Christ as King, back into these patterns and precedents and uh, find their ultimate really meaning and fulfillment in Christ. So look for the patterns, look for the templates, pray the prayer architecture over your greatest need or opportunity. Now, I'm encouraging us to ask the Holy Spirit what we should be targeting in prayer for 52 days of acceleration and focus and even beginning to move on it. Why 52 days? Because that was the record-breaking time period that they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem, just 52 days. You can start this at any time. It's your own personal cycle, your brackets that you put around something. And what is that greatest need or challenge or even a, a, a opportunity or horizon or open door that you need to exploit in faith? Something obvious may already be surfacing in your mind, just as I say it. Maybe it's something you've been thinking about for a long time. Things that are stuck, moving too slow. I'm committing to taking this seriously. Friend, I am saying that we need to meet the speed of life with God's speed, with the design of heaven. We need to meet and overcome the speed that the enemy is operating at with God's speed, with the speed of Christ. I challenge you, read the Gospels and tell me that Jesus did not move briskly, that he, that he did not operate with a sense of urgency. Yes, he pulled away. He rested. He had times of prayer. And that's what we're talking about today. But Jesus moved with a speed that kept the enemy 
back on his heels, if if I can say it that way. So what is that one thing right now? Uh, I encourage you to go back and listen to the previous episode, episode 250, where we talk about the first insight uh, as we're pursuing this in early Nehemiah. Today, we're going to talk about insight number two, approaching that project. I'm calling it a project now, but that's that need or that, uh, you know, that challenge, that opportunity, that door. Approaching your project with prayer and fasting. You can fast food. If you're married, you can fast sex. If you're not married, you better be fast in sex. <laughs> um, you can fast uh, so- social media, television, etc. There's many things you can fast. Fasting amplifies prayer. But look at the scripture in Nehemiah 1, 3 to 4. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. Nehemiah was in Babylonian captivity. He was a cupbearer serving Artaxerxes, uh, the king, I believe, of Persia. And he was a Jew, and the burden of God came upon him. The pathos, the the uh, empathy, the emotion and passion of God, the zeal of God came upon him. It goes on to say, so it was when I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Uh, this fall, I have an interview coming to you with Adam Carver from the United Kingdom on releasing the power of lamenting for potential. Nehemiah wept. There's something about being moved and picking up the heart of God. Check it out in episode 250. He mourned, and then he began to fast and pray. Empathy. God, give me your heart for this. This is the sort of prayer that we pray. How do you feel about it, God? I want to pick up your empathy. I want to pick up your pathos. What is your pleasure? What will bring you glory? How can this serve your story, Father? And Father, here's a key phrase in prayer. Would you enlarge my heart so I can run with this? Because, friend, the capacity of your heart determines the capacity of your next step, the capacity of that breakthrough. We begin by asking God to increase our desire in our passion, in our heart capacity. And even just this week in my own personal word and prayer time out in the backyard, I was telling the Lord, Lord, even related to prayer, would you give me, increase my capacity for prayer? Not only give me your pathos and your zeal and your emotion for this, but give me the fire for prayer. Give me the strength and the energy and the will, power, powered by you, Father, for prayer. Increase my heart capacity. Action, action, action. We have to get to prayer-designed, prayer-born action if we're going to see meaningful change meaningful transformation. Perhaps another way to conceptualize it is like this. Passion leads to prayer, which leads to plans. And that, the planning stage, is heart-born, prayer-born execution. Movement. It's momentum. Momentum is your friend. And holy momentum from above is really your friend. 
really, my friends, see what Nehemiah did? He picked up the passion of the Lord for the crisis at hand. Then he petitioned and then he went out and we'll come to this in this series. He executed in faith. Again, we can overlay or map to these Old Testament patterns and precedents and we can do the same. But now we do it as new covenant believers filled with the Holy Spirit on this side of the cross, this side of the resurrection, this side of the ascension and the session that is the seating of Christ as King at the right hand of the Father. Little parenthetical thought, we are seated with him in heavenly places, Ephesians 2.6, but that's for another podcast. Now, prayer is kingdom activity. Let me pause and mention next week's episode. We will be continuing with this series. Next week's episode, we're hearing from listeners on what the Holy Spirit is speaking to them these days. What scriptures are being highlighted for them? What is the Lord impressing upon them in prayer? What is the Holy Spirit prompting? 90 seconds, two minutes each. It's going to be good. Look for that next week. Let's know that prayer is kingdom activity. We, in a sense, walk with the Lord in the cool of the day as they did in Eden. And our sustainability, our capacity to live victoriously, to to exercise dominion is contingent, my friend, upon our ongoing conversation with the king. If we fall out of that abiding relationship, but we drift from it, we become distant, and we're not having that ongoing conversational connection with the king. Our, our sustainability to exercise dominion and our capacity to move fast in the Lord and to move accurately. You see, I want acceleration, but I also want acumen, and I want anointing, and I want architecture. See those A words? I want the design of God walking with the king. I want you to think of prayer not as a boring religious duty, but as an Eden-like walking conversational connection with the king so that we can be mentored, coached, empowered, connected with him, exercising dominion on his behalf. Our greatest life skill is not creating a resume. I want you to think about your kingdom career as an underlayment or as a precursor or a dominant overlay to all of your life as we normally think about it. Our greatest life skill is to develop a daily, conversational, substantive conversation with the Lord, His words abiding in us. Those are royal edicts and words from the King. And then we reflect back to Him, His thoughts and His words through the Scriptures through those vibrant promptings from the Holy Spirit in the now, which will always be within the spirit and tenor of Scripture, and we receive what he's saying. I mean, I mean, who am I? Who am I as even a Christ follower to think that I can just carry on and prattle on and, and try to live my life without this, this, this real connection? You see, when we were born again, we were born into a vice regency. I don't know if you know that. Listen, the best day of your life is when you were born again. And if you're not born again yet, the best day of your life will be when you are born a second time. 
born again. Jesus talked about this in John chapter 3 with his nighttime conversation with Nicodemus, the Jewish leader. And I'm saying now, listen to this, the second best day in your life is when you wake up to what really happened when you were born again. (laughs) What really happened at your conversion, and that then will catalyze an ongoing process of greater clarity and revelation. The best day of our life is when we were born again. The second best day is when we wake up to what happened when we were born again. And I'll just I'll just add this as a bonus. The third best day of our life is when we were born the first time. <laughs> when we came into this world as a natural fallen creature. John chapter 3. Check it out. Now, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul says that we are new creatures in Christ. And in the Greek, it carries this nuanced meaning of we are new species of beings in Christ when we are spiritually regenerated. You know, that is a sort of a doctrinal word, a theological word, regeneration. And I want you to think about it, man, to be regened, to be regenerated, to begin a new everything about Christ is generative. He created everything to begin with, and he recreates us in in him now. And one day, the time of the restoration of all things, he will create everything. They recreate everything. He will regene the new heavens and the new earth. In Romans 5:17, see, you don't even know that I just paused my recorder and got a drink seamlessly. This is the wonders of podcasting. In Romans 5:17. For if by one man's offense, that's Adam, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. That's the last Adam that Paul mentions in his letters to the Corinthians. We can reign in life through receiving abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. When we are born again, we are born to reign. In Colossians 1, 13 to 14, Paul says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness or the domain, the authority of darkness, and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. You see, a lot of Christianity understands that we have redemption through His blood. We have the forgiveness of sins. But following Christ is more than a gospel of sin management. Following Christ is being born into His reality, being born into His kingdom. And it's it's fascinating to me that Paul, in Colossians 1, in verse 13, he says that first before he says what he says in 14 about redemption through His blood. In 13, he says, we've been delivered from the power or kingdom of darkness and conveyed or translated into the kingdom of the of, of the son of his love. Nehemiah moved from heart passion into prayer and fasting. Prayer makes the way. Prayer softens the ground and sets the stage, my friend, for anything. Little, not so little, medium-sized things, bigger than medium-sized things, and ginormous, hairy, huge things. (laughs) Prayer softens the ground. 
prepares the ground, prepares the way. Prayer is like priming. Prayer is like priming your scenario, priming your situation, priming your context. And, you know, we know what the word prime means, but I like looking up words uh, in the dictionary, even simple words, because frankly, many times understanding will come from even looking up the definition of a simple word. The definition for prime means to make something ready for use or action. I love that. Action, action, action. Faith without works is dead. Faith without action is flatlined. So priming, which which I'm saying prayer is priming. I think worship is priming. I think prophecy is priming. But prayer makes something ready for use or action. And then I also looked at the wiki definition from a psychological point of view, okay, the Wikipedia definition of priming from psychology. And let me just uh, let me, uh, hang, hang with me here, okay? I want you to struggle with me and just, and just catch this, all right? So priming is a phenomenon whereby exposure to one stimulus influences a response to a subsequent stimulus. So I would say there by way of commentary that prayer is a phenomenon, And it is the original stimulus, which then influences a response to a subsequent stimulus, i.e. the answer to the prayer, the manifestation, the walking through the door, the need or the challenge being overcome. All right. Without conscious guidance or intention, this is part of their definition as well. Well, I think there is conscious guidance and intention in prayer. So that part of it, I'm going to flip the script on, okay? Let's read it that way. Influences a response to a subsequent stimulus with divine, heaven-born, conscious guidance and intention. Now, wait, they're not done. There's more. The priming effect refers to the positive or negative effect of a rapidly presented stimulus on the processing of a second stimulus that appears shortly after. So, the priming effect of prayer, we're going to say it always has a positive effect, all right? There's no negative effect with prayer. It's, it's always positive. It presents the effect of a, of a rapidly presented energy or stimulus on the processing of a second stimulus that appears shortly after. Honey, look, I'm going to go uh, into my prayer closet and I'm going to prime as a phenomenon. I'm going to expose the stimulus of prayer to a response. I'm, you're going to love, uh, it's a time away, honey, but there's, li- listen, the dividends are going to be good. There's going to be a, a subsequent stimulus and benefit and fruit, which comes from my prayer time. Honey, I want you to go pray as well. Children, daughters, Pray. I want you to exercise your first original stimulus so that you have good outcomes, good subsequent stimulus. Okay, prayer is priming. I don't know if that bugged you or not, but I I, I enjoyed it. And I, I, I just think when Jesus said, go into your prayer closet and pray in private and I will reward you openly, the Father will reward you openly. I, I, think, this is, I think this is getting at some of that, okay? Now, Jesus says to ask and we will receive. And literally in the Greek language, it literally means in the tense of the Greek, ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking and you will find, knock and keep on knocking 
and you will be, and the door will be opened. Notice the progression there. We start with asking, and then we're seeking our, our radars up. We're probing. We're, we're looking with prayer-born eyes, and then we're knocking. There's practical activity. We're, we're taking a step. We're initiating something, and we're knocking. So praying, asking, seeking, and knocking. And Dallas Willard says this, a child, a child innately understands the power of request. They practice it at the highest level. Have you ever seen a child work the art of request? They are pros. They are pro requesters, and they quite often get what they desire or feel that they need or want. Mark Batterson says that persistence in prayer is the magic bullet. The only way you can fail is if you stop praying. 100% of the prayers I don't pray won't get answered. Didn't James say that in James chapter 4? If we do not pray, we will not receive. That is the number one reason the prayers are not answered, is they're never prayed. And my question would be this, what woulda, coulda, shoulda happened, but did not, does not, and will not, because we can't get into the prayer closet. We feel we don't have the strength, or we are unwilling, or we feel we don't have the faith, or for some reason we're too distracted. The cost of a low-grade prayer life is way too high to pay. The time lost. There is no opportunity cost like a prayerless life. I mean, you can lose stocks, you can lose a business opportunity, you can lose anything that you normally think of about opportunity costs, but I'm telling you, friend, there is no opportunity cost that comes anywhere close to a prayerless life. What woulda, coulda, shoulda have happened, but did not, does not, and will not. Look, I have a couple of links to refer you to, jesussmart.com slash prayer is limitless, or just go into Google or some search engine and type in Jesus Smart, and then prayer is limitless. It should pull it up. Look, we're all growing. I'm no expert in prayer, but I tell you, there is something in me that is unsatisfied about my prayer life. There's something that's driving me on. There's another good uh, article there too, jesussmart.com slash how to self-sabotage your prayers. If you're interested in self-sabotaging your prayer life, right? (laughs) I don't know. Just go to a search engine, put in Jesus smart, and then maybe self-sabotage prayer. It should pull it up. Thomas Brooks was a Puritan. He was an old school guy. And he said, oh, the power of private prayer. I have a kind of omnipotency in it. Omnipotent means all-powerful. He says, I have a kind of omnipotency. We're not God. We're not omnipotent. But we are vice regents under the sovereignty of Christ. And so we do move and have our being in him with a kind of omnipotency, but it must be sourced in passion and prayer and maybe fasting, just like with Nehemiah. I don't just pray. You just don't pray. You are the prayer. You embody the prayer. 
Prayer is not merely transactional. God is working in us. It's transformational. He may steer and shape. He will. He will steer and shape our prayers. It's a beautiful thing when you find your groove in prayer. Let me tell you. If you're in a prayer time and you know there's wind on it, and you feel the, 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 the resonance with the scriptures, and you feel the Holy Spirit is speaking on some edge, and there's something fresh coming to you, and it's, it's like priming a well. You pour the water down in the, in the well, and then you start pumping it, and all of a sudden it starts flowing like an artesian release. You know, the scripture does say that the issues of life flow up and out of us from the heart, that heart that is connected with God. It's a beautiful thing. Those are the best moments you can invest. Everything is downstream from that. When you're on a wavelength, you know, Jesus, just give me one wavelength from you and let me resonate on it. Just one. (laughs) Right? And if you want to give me 20 minutes of wavelength that's like code from heaven coming down, I'm open. And so my challenge would be to read the Gospels afresh You know, read Nehemiah, saturate yourself in Nehemiah. We're still in the first chapter, and this is not going to be a a very long series. I'm not sure. Four, six, eight episodes. We'll have other topics and other episodes sprinkled in between some of these episodes coming up. we got some interviews and things, too. But read Nehemiah, and I'm also thinking, just read the Gospels afresh, and this time, look for the code. What do I mean? Look for how Jesus operated what he said, what he did, how he prayed. I want you to search out the design factors in the Gospels. And here's what Jesus said in Luke 6, 39 and 40. He spoke a parable to them. He said, can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? Can I take liberties with a a great paraphrase? Will the blind in the news media lead you out of the ditch? Will political leaders, are they really going to enhance your life? Your friends or people around you that may not be connected with Christ in the way that you are or you want to be or you're called to be, are they going to lead you? Are you going to follow their lead? Jesus says in verse 40, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. Jesus is putting an offer on the table. You're not going to be above me, but when you're perfectly trained by me, you will be like me and you will operate like I did when I was on the earth and you will do things that I did when I was on the earth. Greater works than these shall you do, John 14, 12, because I go to the Father and I send the Holy Spirit to you. Jesus proclaimed and demonstrated the kingdom of God in everyday life. That is the rule and the reign of God. And so as we, you know, like Nehemiah, as we look at that project, we're going to have to resist the temptation to fall into overwhelm. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to get past this. I don't know how to get out of it. One of the keys I do know is that I have to repent my way out of it. I have to change my mind. I got to elevate out of this in my mind. And I have to pray and I have to trust and I have to then begin, even as I'm beginning to pray on a parallel track, take small and medium size and bigger action steps that that you feel confident about in faith that you feel is coming out of that connection with Christ 
and out of prayer. So you don't say, I'm going to pray about this, pray about this, and pray about this for three years, and then I'm going to do something. No, you begin to pray, you get the prayer wheel moving, you get some momentum behind the curtain, if you will, or in your private prayer closet, and then you get rewarded openly, demonstrating the kingdom, showing forth the excellencies of our God. Oh, praise God. I think I'm uh, going to stop now. And I've, um, I think I've just uh, podcasted myself into a more encouraged state than when I started. You know, you can preach to yourself. You know, you need to. It says David strengthened himself in the Lord. It says in the Psalms that he would say, why are you downcast, O my soul? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. He actually talked to his inner being. It's amazing. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with getting in your, your soundproof prayer closet or getting out into the woods, or I don't care if you want to walk through town at night and pray and somebody's looking at you because you're talking out loud. I'm beyond that myself. I already know. I already know that what they think about me. I don't know. Yeah, you can, you can talk to yourself, man. You can really begin to exhort yourself and pray and speak out and declare and prophesy and, 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 you know, get your voice up, elevate your voice. So get your journal out, open an app, maybe begin to note what the Holy Spirit is saying and how you're processing and how can you move on that something really fast. Now, let me pray for you right now. 60 seconds. Father, in the name of Jesus, I agree for myself, and I'm praying for the listener right now, my brother and sister in Christ, or those who are seeking and and who are considering Christ. I ask in the name of Jesus, Father, that you would put your design on us, that you would put your thoughts and your words and your fire, that we would pick up your heart, that we would pick up your passion for that thing that we need to move fast on, that we would really raise it to a priority in this season, that we would bracket out maybe a 52-day cycle of time and concentrate and focus and record what we're hearing and begin to take prayer-born action steps on it. I pray that my friend would be encouraged and motivated and exhorted to move on this by the power of the Holy Spirit, the most creative, powerful person, personal force, personal energy in the universe. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. You can see the show notes page at jesussmart.com slash 251. Don't forget to go back if you haven't heard 250 yet. You can listen to that one after this one. It talks about the, the pathos, the heart, the passion. And on the show notes page, you can always find links to take things a little further. While you're there, you may be interested in other episodes and articles. And hey, is there a friend, somebody you know that you think is um, it would be timely for them to hear this right now? Uh, frankly, I believe that's a lot of people right now. But do you think of somebody that would value this and it's, it's a timely piece of content for them right now? Would you consider passing this episode along to your friends and your contacts? The future belongs to Jesus and so does the now. He's brilliant. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a bonus phrase. He's fast. He's brisk. He's speed. Walk with him and you'll catch his brilliance in a unique way. And until next time, blessings.